God, we are grateful for the chance to gather this morning as family and, and to look at your word and to be encouraged by uh, what John has recorded of your life and of your resurrection and, and now of your appearances to the disciples. And uh, God, we pray that you would in, encourage us by your spirit that uh, you have our lives in your hands and that you are with us walking through everything we're walking through and that you desire to be a part of everything that we're a part of. And, um, and God, I pray that we would depend wholly and fully on Holy Spirit this morning and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, um, I'm going to open with this question. Is the world getting better? <laughs> you think. <laughs> Any hands for the world's getting better? <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, none for that, right? Is the world getting worse? Okay, some hands for is the world getting worse? Okay, all right, all right. This is, this is productive. Is the world staying the same? Um, I, I would actually probably land on the world is staying the same. I was, uh, obviously the uh, news this morning, I guess it was this morning, right, that there was the uh, shooting in San Diego, uh, and, you know, anytime, I mean, it seems like something's coming up every, every week and, um, it can be discouraging to get in, uh, too much into the news all day because it's just something after something after something. And so if you watch the news cycle, you do get the sort of perspective that the world is just continually and always getting worse. Um, and I don't really think that's the case. I mean, I think things are bad and Maybe worser things are happening, maybe, but uh, but the problem's been the same, and it's uh, it was there two thousand years ago, and and it's uh, gonna be here until Jesus returns and restores a new heaven and a new earth. That mankind is dark and and needs a renewed heart. Um, during Jesus' time, um, there were some that came to him, and this is in Luke. Uh, we're starting sort of random here, but. Uh, Luke chapter 13, verses 1 to 5. I always go to this passage when, um, when something that just feels uh, deep and hard uh, is close and I'm reminded of, of why these things happen and when these things happen, that we shouldn't be surprised by them. Um, Luke 13, 1 to 5 says this, There were some present at the very time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. So 2,000 years ago, there was Pilate that we know of, who part of his practice was to take the blood of these people from Galilee and mix them into sacrifice. <laughs> so we're all getting worse or better, <laughs> right? Or is it the same? And so Jesus' answer to this just travesty and uh, mockery of people and humanity uh, is this, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No. I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than the, all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No. I tell you, but unless you repent, you all likewise perish. Uh, 
Is the world getting better, worse, the same? I would argue for the same. I would argue that the, the difficult and hard things that were happening back then continue to happen today. And I, I would also argue that, uh, that our passage shows us that uh, the same hope that was given to the disciples during that time is the same hope with which we walk in today, a hope that is an eternal peace uh, beyond uh, the tragedies and difficulties that we see happening and unfold, unfolding around us. And, uh, you know, we have this huge moment of Easter, and when we celebrate the Lord is risen, and now for the next couple weeks, we're going to see sort of the postscript uh, of the climatic e- event. And I was thinking about this this morning and, and how it's kind of like uh, the Marvel movies, right? The big event happens, it all concludes, everything's over, and then the credits roll, and then, oh yeah, a few other things, <laughs> right? The, the video at the end of the credits, everyone know this, right? This isn't, you guys know. And it's not the, I haven't seen the new one either. I'm not ruining anything. But every Marvel movie, you guys know this, right? At the end of the credits, what happens? There's another episode that, like another little clip, little teaser, right? That's how I feel this section of John is. It's like the big event has happened. Jesus conquered the grave. He's risen. And oh, by the way, some other things that you guys need to know that are peering into the future. I, I see that here. And um, it's important for us because Jesus left us. He ascended to heaven, but he didn't leave us without hope in a world that is difficult and continues to be difficult, both in sort of these large tragedies that we see happening around us in the news and also in the very uh, feeling of minor circumstances that we each individually are walking through that feel a lot larger than minor, right? Um, He leaves us with a hope that is greater, than all these things, and we see that in today's passage. Jesus comes to the disciples uh, after he's risen, and in, in a powerful uh, way, he appears to them. And his words throughout this passage, uh, chapter 20, verses 19 to 29, uh, over and over are, peace be with you, which I love because um, the passage starts out saying, um, the evening of the first day of the week, the doors are locked. The disciples who are fearing the Jews who would you know, come and uh, maybe give them the same punishment that Jesus had since they were his followers, uh, they're afraid of the Jews. Jesus comes and stands among them. I don't know about you, but if I'm already afraid and someone gets in the house that is locked, <laughs> I'm, uh, he better be starting with the words, peace be with you, <laughs> right? Because they need that, uh, de- definitely at that moment. And Jesus says, peace be with you. So when he said these things, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you, forgave the, if you forgive the sins of any... They are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Jesus, um, he's risen. And sort of the postscript, this uh, extra little teaser to the future is, yeah, okay, I've risen. And, and they might be thinking, again, they might be thinking that, okay, this risen Jesus is now ready to take us and you know, continue his dominance in the world right now. 
But Jesus doesn't do that. We have a few episodes of him appearing to these disciples, and from Paul's writings, we think maybe 500 more that he, uh, that he appeared to. So really, no more than 1,000 people in all of Jerusalem, in all of the world at that time, saw him post-resurrection. So it's not, you know, it is a lot of people, but it's not like everybody saw him, right? He actually appears to a relatively small number given the population of the world, right? And he leaves these that see him with a mission, that, that he's not going to continue the kingdom work right now in the physical, that he's going to go to the Father and pray for those who are sent into the world just as he was sent into the world. He says to his disciples, once he appears in their locked room, um, as the Father sent me, I am sending you. We're sent. We're sent in the same way that the Father sent the Son. Just as the Son uh, laid down His cares, laid down His power, laid down His authority, and nailed it to the cross and went to the cross for us, taking on our sins, so we are sent. We're sent as ones who bear the sacrificial love of Jesus for those that are around us. It shows up in our marriage, it shows up in our work, it shows up in our friendships, that the chief um, motivator, the chief uh, indicator of our following the Lord is that sacrificial love is what decides things. That we aren't deciding things based on our uh, fleshly desire, but rather by the needs of those God has given us responsibility for laying down our cares for those who are around us. We're sent as the Father sent the Son to lay our lives down for those He's called us to. We're sent with the Holy Spirit. I won't get into it too much. There's some uh, debate and back and forth as to whether this is a Pentecost moment for John or whether this is something else. And uh, most, I think, my easiest reading of this, when Jesus says, receive the Holy Spirit, He is in a similar way to Matthew, when Matthew gives the Great Commission, he says that the Spirit will come. Uh, He is foreshadowing the Spirit's full coming here, is is my interpretation of this, and there's a lot of debate about that, so I won't go into that. But he says to them, receive the Holy Spirit. He sends them out as the Father has sent him, and he tells them, the Spirit is going to be in you. You are going to receive the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is going to live inside of you. You're sent as the Father sent the Son, and you're sent as those who have the Holy Spirit. So as we go through our day, this is the most powerful thing. As he says, peace be with you, having the Holy Spirit is that peace. Trusting the Holy Spirit is that peace. He doesn't get uh, a lot of talk, really, Holy Spirit. I don't think he gets enough discussion. But he's the one that lives inside of you if you're a follower of Jesus. He's the one that is, that is with you, in you, guiding you, directing you, counseling you. And, and you can ask him any question you want, and he will answer you. Might not be the way you want him to answer you, but he, he's there and he's answering you. 
He's your counselor and constant guide. He's the Spirit of God living in you, caring for you in every single moment of every single day. He's on demand, real-time responsive to every circumstance that you're in. He wants you to ask him questions about everything you do. (laughs) You don't have to. He's not offended when you don't. But like, if you're having trouble making a decision about what to eat today, you know what? I bet he'd be all right with you asking him. (laughs) And I bet he'd have an opinion. (laughs) Holy Spirit is with you. Father God living in you through Holy Spirit. How amazing is that? And how infrequent do we access that truth? As the Father sent the Son, He's sending you, and He's sending you with the very indwelling of Holy Spirit, of His very presence. Finally, we're sent with this. Jesus says to them, uh, verse 23, If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld from them. We're sent with the sacrificial love of Jesus. We're sent with the Holy Spirit's direction, His indwelling. And we're sent with the forgiveness of Jesus. He, he puts this mission in our hands, right? He, as he is about to leave and ascend back to the Father, he's literally giving us the mission of the kingdom that, that we then would be the ones who extend an eternal peace, an eternal comfort, an eternal hope to those around us, uh, proclaiming that Father God loves you so much that he gave his son, and I am willing to give myself for you as well. And Father God loves you so much that he wants to live inside of you by Holy Spirit. And and I extend that to you as well. And even more so, all that stuff that you've done wrong in your life, Father God loves you so much that that I want to forgive you for all you've done to me. And Father God wants to forgive you as well. To those whom we extend forgiveness, they receive it. And those who we don't extend forgiveness to, it is withheld. Jesus is willing to forgive anybody and everybody, and that's why he died on the cross for us, is that he's willing to do that. And we have to get ourselves to the place in our hearts where we're willing to have that same forgiveness. Because in some very difficult-to-understand way, This is what he says to him, right? If you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld from them. When we hold that unforgiveness in our hearts, we, you know, create a block there for reconciliation, right? God wants us to have reconciliation, and we, and we aren't willing to forgive, and reconciliation can't come. And it's withheld from them. God is sending us with his eternal perspective. And that translates to a sacrificial love, a trust in the Holy Spirit to know what is right or wrong to do in very difficult and muddied circumstances. 
and with a call and a commission that you have the power to extend forgiveness or withhold it. We're sent with an eternal peace that though this world is the way this world is, we can extend a hope that is beyond this world. And I don't know whether the world's getting better or worse. There's actually like long theories about what, you know, how to interpret revelation, determining whether the world is going to get better before the end or worse before the end or stay the same. You know, what I know is that today you've got struggles and I've got struggles and I need Jesus. <laughs> right? And, and I have Jesus. And by the grace of God, that having of him has given me eternal peace that is beyond anything that can come across the radar today. And we have that to extend to those around us, and God has commissioned us to extend that to those around us. The second portion of this uh, passage, we see Jesus appearing particularly to Thomas, because Thomas apparently wasn't there at the first appearance. I don't know what he was doing, you know, I don't, you know, probably golfing or something. Um, anyway, he wasn't there. In, in verses 24 and following, it says, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. And so the other disciples told him, We've seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see his hands and the marks of the nails and place uh, my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. And before you go all, Thomas, you're such a doubter on him, you know, just remember <laughs> that, like, it was possible for people to steal people out of graves. And Jesus made some serious claims about who he was and what he was here to accomplish. And, and so for Thomas to want to, like, have some verification, you know, isn't a bad thing. In fact, Jesus doesn't condemn him in any way. He says, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, put your finger here. You want to put it in my side? That's great. Go ahead. Put your hand right here in, in my side. Feel this hole. It's crazy. I love that about the Lord. Again, we, we mentioned that as he appears to these people, he's appearing to them as they needed to be appeared to. And Jesus tells him, uh, right after he does this, after he puts his hand into the holes, and as he put his hand into the side, Thomas answers, says, my Lord and my God. He recognizes that all Jesus had said, absolutely true. And that Jesus himself is God. My Lord, my God. And far from rebuking him, he simply states the fact, right? These disciples were privileged to have seen Jesus after he rose. And uh, among maybe, you know, uh, 700 or so, the top people that got to see him after he rose from the grave on this earth, um, he says this, Have you believed just because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. He's not condemning Thomas. He's not rebuking him even. He's just stating the fact, right? That, you know, I'm glad that you believe now that you've seen me. Blessing on those who can believe this and still have not seen. 
What, what will those who believe without seeing believe based on? Well, the believe based on, um, on the demonstration of the Father's love, the Father's sacrificial love of Jesus, demonstrated through those who have seen him and who have believed in him, right? That's the Bible, the testimony of the apostles, their lives, that they gave their lives up on crosses themselves, all except for John. They'll believe on the demonstration of the sacrificial love of the Son of God continuing throughout thousands of years in difficult and hard circumstances. They'll believe on the testimony of the church. They'll also believe on the conviction of Holy Spirit who is moving inside of believers who carry Him and also in this world convicting of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And they'll believe on account of that. They'll believe on account of that they need forgiveness, right? They know they can't fix all that's messed up on their own, and they know that doing all the perfect things in the future, not only is it not possible, but it doesn't make up for what they did in the past, and they need forgiveness. We all know that. So Jesus says, blessed are they who believe and and haven't seen but believe based on their, their need, based on the demonstration of love through the church, based on the conviction of the Holy Spirit. These things are powerful, but, you know, they're not putting your hand inside of his body and onto his nail holes. Just like slightly less, you know, uh, scientific, I guess. But just as real. Blessed are those who believe Jesus is risen and have not seen me. It's a powerful testimony and a powerful hope to us that, uh, that Jesus rose bodily and that he showed himself uh, to these. And I was reminded of, uh, of this verse in Colossians 1, 15 to 20, which I uh, pulled up here. just a reminder of who and why Jesus came. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Is Jesus. Image of God, firstborn of creation, through whom and by whom all things were created. In 18 to 20. This moment when he appears to the disciples and he commissions them and sends them out to do this work, this is what it's talking about. He is the head of the body. He's the one that showed what this is going to look like going forward. Even though he goes to the Father, he says, listen, this is what it's going to look like going forward. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace 
by the blood of his cross. He's the firstborn from among the dead. My understanding of that is that you too will rise. You too will have an eternal hope. You too have a body like Jesus that can apparently pass through walls, but is truly physical and is aware of what is going on and can talk to individuals on a very uh, personal and uh, uh, intimate way. You see, faith in Jesus isn't about like believing in Jesus and then being sucked up into the godness of the spirit world. <laughs> it's about God knowing your soul you particularly, and that when you die, you rise, and that you are still you. All of your baggage and all that you've done, forgiven and cleaned, washed clean by the blood of the Lamb, who's made peace at the cross. Jesus rose and appeared to his disciples to show them that there is a hope that is beyond this world. And so all that I've said to you, Peter and Thomas and John, all that I've said to you, believe on it, proclaim it, live it. As the Father sent me to you, so I send you. Go with the sacrificial love that I loved you with. As the Father sent me, so I send you with the Holy Spirit. Listen to Holy Spirit and ask Him questions every single day time you have a question. Ask him questions about what the word is saying to you. Ask him questions about why the circumstances that you are in are in your life. Ask him to show you what the answers are to the questions you've got each day. And forgive as he forgave you because uh, his mission, his goal, his uh, purpose was that he came to make peace by the blood of the cross to pour himself out for you and for me. Extend forgiveness everywhere that he calls you to extend forgiveness. I want to close and go with these few things. Chiefly this, that you're sent. And you're sent from where you are. God never sends you from anywhere other than where you are. He sent Thomas from where he was, both emotionally, geographically, the level of his faith. Didn't condemn him, didn't rebuke him, said, Thomas, touch my side. It's okay. I send you with my love, with my forgiveness, with my Holy Spirit. He sends you from exactly where you are. You are sent with Holy Spirit. You and I both know that too often we get caught up in our head trying to figure out the problem on our own and God's given us our head so, you know, there's some time that you need to do that, right? Unless you need to think through a problem with your head and use it. <laughs> um, but sometimes that, that's not enough. Sometimes it doesn't compute. And, and sometimes it's, you need a very practical answer. I'll tell you, Holy Spirit's willing to give you practical answers. 
But also, sometimes you need, like, the Holy Spirit to give you a completely different direction. <laughs> Scrap this, go here, you know, uh, whatever it may be. You are sent with Holy Spirit, and He's got you right where you need to be. Listen to Him for the next step. And finally, you are sent with the peace of eternity. Jesus came and died on the cross to make peace with his blood. And so when we see all the difficulty and junk of this world on the news feed um, and in our own lives, the thing which overrides all of this, the thing which gives us hope to see beyond uh, the circumstance that we're walking through and that we're going to walk through and see through maybe a tunnel to you know, have a very bright light at the end of that tunnel is that you're sent with a piece of eternity. You are going to get to the other side because Jesus lives inside of you. Holy Spirit is in you. And he's given you the victory. So whatever junk we're walking through, he's got this. And most of it, frankly, is temporary. Some of it is eternal and worth bringing deeply before the Lord and, and pursuing Him with all that you are to ask Him how you ought to respond and how you ought to um, proceed. But whether big or small, He's given you a peace that is eternal. He is risen. He is existing eternally. And, and you have the opportunity to exist eternally with Him as well. You're sent from where you are. You're sent with the very presence of God in the Holy Spirit. And you're sent with a peace of eternity to face every circumstance in this life. Let's pray. God, we're so grateful to have a record of your appearances to the disciples and, and the hope and the commission that you extend to them and also to us. God, our hearts go out to this world and we pray for your hope to be extended to it and we pray that you would help us in doing so. God, help us to know where we are and why we are where we are. Help us not to try and figure that out on our own. Help us to seek you. Seek your wisdom. Seek your knowledge. Seek your Holy Spirit's guidance in, in all these things. And God, we pray that you would give us opportunities this week even to Share the peace of eternity with souls in this world who need it desperately. There's so many around us who, 
whose hope is placed in structures of man, in personal achievement. So many around us who don't have misplaced hope, they just don't have hope at all. So God, we we pray that you would give us opportunities to extend the hope of Jesus to those you've placed around us. God, we thank you for the peace that you give us through your Holy Spirit. It's in his name we pray. Amen.